Hello, I'm Ali Mahan, and you're listening to Churn It Up, the official customer success podcast. Churn It Up is brought to you by Receptive, the leaders in product demand intelligence, helping customer success teams navigate the murky waters of customer feedback. And today we're getting into that exact topic with Lisa Starita, who has some epic lessons to share about how she manages customer feedback as head of customer success operations at Beekeeper. Lisa is a customer of mine, so this podcast is a little bit different than our usual episodes because we do talk about Receptive. It's well worth a listen if you're interested in hearing Lisa's journey from Google Docs to Salesforce to Receptive for managing feedback. The one thing I think is so interesting about this discussion is how feedback isn't just a CS problem, and her journey really shows how the pain points can move around the company depending on how you manage it. She also talks about the two phases of customer feedback, so you don't want to miss those, and also how to shift your customer discussions away from features to more strategic items. So after this episode, if you are interested in Receptive, don't hesitate to reach out. My email is ali, A-L-Y, at receptive.io. Hope to hear from you soon. Enjoy the show. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hi, Ali. How are you today? I am doing well. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you today. So do you mind telling me a little bit about your current role and your background um, and kind of how you found yourself in customer success? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, first of all. It's really good to contribute. About my role and my background, well, actually, Beekeeper is my first SaaS business and also my first CS role. Before Beekeeper, I was was in a fintech company in the lending space in the UK, and I was primarily looking after customer communities, uh, partnership marketing, and things like that. Technology has always been a bit big um, interest and big priority, so after that, I moved into SaaS. I was the first CS hire at Beekeeper. I started building our entire customer success team, effectively. So the way we work with customers, the way we would, uh, um, the way we would make them successful, and also um, working with them to find out what they really needed. And um, over time, I started doing different things, uh, and at the moment, I'm obviously looking after the ops for the team. How exciting! So, how long have you been at Beekeeper? Uh, now it's getting up to two, three years. Okay, wow. So you've gone through, you've seen you've seen the team change quite a bit. Because how many people are in your CS team now? Yeah, right now we're about 11 people. Okay, wow. People, yeah, growing quite fast. So tell me a little bit more about Beekeeper and who your customers are. So Beekeeper is a digital workplace app. So we um, effectively connect uh, non-desk workers and non-desk workforce to um, um operational systems or other tools that might be relevant to them. And we provide them a number of communication channels to interact within the organization and uh, and with each other. Uh, it's a very intuitive platform. Can, it's effectively a mobile app, so can be downloaded on a mobile phone. Looking at it from a CS point of view, um, our customers are large enterprises uh, with a, effectively a majority of non-desk uh, associates or employees. And uh, we work with them still with a very um, high-touch customer success model. So we have strong relationships with them and uh, um, understand their businesses really well. Okay, perfect. So let's jump into the main topic now. What's a problem or an issue that you've come across recently? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, it's been an issue for a long time or it's been a topic for a long time is uh, managing customer feedback and requests to the product team. 
Um, I think this is a topic for pretty much anyone uh, in a customer success position is uh, my customers will have requests and uh, my product team will uh, be pushing back in some way or another and I'm sitting in between. That's that's a, definitely a common, I mean, especially yeah. me. <laughs> working every <laughs> of, I talk to people all day long who have that problem and you wouldn't believe you wouldn't believe how common it is. So do you want to tell me a little bit about, or a lot, about how you actually solved this problem? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's really interesting. I mean, you obviously understand our business quite well. You've um, we've known each other for a very while. Um, but I think it's really interesting to think about it as a journey, really. Um, what we used to do when we were a relatively um, young uh, organization and what we're doing now. And uh, managing customer feedback has always been uh, um, something that we started relatively basic, to be honest. Um, the very first way we would do that was a nice, good old Google Doc um, that we would share with our with our most valuable customers. So we would have uh, um, a shared document that would contain uh, their requests and our feedback or our product team feedback on them. And that um, was coupled with a lot of talking and a lot of expectation managing and a lot of, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of setting these expectations right and going back to the document and talking about it. The expectation management remains the most important reason that you, I think, you need to do when you manage someone's feedback or when you collect feedback from your customers. Um, and it's always a fine balance between avoiding to really overpromise to them something that you don't know if you're going to be able to deliver and uh, um, maybe not underpromising too much so you don't really have a trust or a faith they don't really believe that you will be able to fulfill these requirements. Um, so we really started with docs, uh, and when the docs became a bit too many, really, so a bit too much going on all over the place, um, we moved on to um, having a bit of a systematic way. So we, we moved everything into Salesforce. At what stage did you move over to Salesforce? Like how many employees and, and how much feedback were you managing there before it got out of control? I wouldn't quite pinpoint it to uh, the number of employees we had in the business or, um, or you know, the size of the business. Uh, but I think it has to do with uh, how many customers you have and how many requests you get. Um, the other uh, very deciding factor around it is um, prospects. Is your sales team having a lot of requests from prospects and uh, are these requests really business um, critical in the sense that they help you close deals? Or um, And so how do you manage this relationship between uh, a request that comes from existing customers and requests that come from prospects? Which ones do you wait more? We spent a couple of months uh, to a year and a half where we had uh, spreadsheets with customers and um, a public facing roadmap as part of our sales slides. And then uh, at that point, we already realized that we just needed, we needed a space to save all of this information. And so that's when the business team um, kind of came up with this Salesforce ideas type of uh, solution. We started collecting all of the feedback points into Salesforce, all of the requests into Salesforce. And um, we were able to link customers to it so that we would be able to judge how many customers were uh, requesting a specific feature or a specific change. And um, But it was, um, you know, Salesforce remain a business tool. And so our CS team and our sales team um, would have uh, a lot of access and a lot of visibility 
on these things, but our product team who's not on sales would still struggle to get information. So we would have like, you know, weekly things where we would feed this information back to them or something like that. And, um, and the thing is, like, this was solving to an extent uh, uh, the first aspect of collecting feedback, which is really um, getting, collecting or keeping track of what your customers really ask you um, and what they need from you or what is the information that they sent you. What was missing from this process was actually being able to send this feedback back to them in a very structured manner and uh, keep on top of uh, of what they really required from us in the long run. And that's um, the Beekeeper ideas uh, um, didn't last very long. It lasted maybe a couple of months, not more than that, um, because at that point the product team was feeling the pain. Um, and the reason is that um, uh, for us, it was becoming a lot easier to collect and manage all the requests that we were getting, but the product team didn't have quite as much access to Salesforce ideas. And so um, they would uh, they would realize that there was a lot going on around their product that uh, they didn't really have a good overview on. And that's how they were the first going looking for a solution that would make this a lot more scalable and uh, found receptive. So can you tell listeners a little bit about what receptive is and how you're using it? Yeah, absolutely. We use it as a tool to collect feedback and requests, so product feedback and requests from customers. So the way we use it is um, it's effectively a, a non-line SaaS, um, so software tool. We connect it receptive to our existing um, platform um, so that customers can go on our page and can see what type of feature requests have been requested in the past and um, can see which ones the team is working on, uh, can see our roadmap or public roadmap at least, um, and uh, can insert their own requests, uh, see if anyone else is asking something similar, so match them up and everything, and also rank them based on how important these requests are for them. And um, the same thing can be done internally by our own team, Can go, they can go into receptive and create a new request or new link customers to existing requests. And uh, um, so it becomes effectively our kind of storage space for all um, requests, feedback, or um, communication directly around the product and around the product needs. And so once we started using Receptive, or once we had a tool that would allow product and customers to talk about a feature request one-on-one, it um, completely turned expectation management upside down from that point of view. It was not anymore down to the customer success team to feed the feedback back to the customers uh, and so to be able to handle their requests better, but it was really down to, to the product team to communicate with them directly. And those conversations your product team is already having, so it's almost just taking out the middleman and kind of allowing the product team to just have those conversations directly to get the information they need and then feed it back, right? Well, the first thing that it does really, it takes out the pressure from the customer success team. Okay. In the sense that um, the customer success team doesn't have this uh, difficulty of, you know, going back to the customer and managing or being held accountable for the response that the product team will give you. Um, and so being also the one who's kind of like uh, sandwiched in between this communication. Um, but there is a way for the product team to uh, really strongly hear what customers need. And so hear it firsthand. And for the customer to feel like, um, on one hand, they feel a lot more listened because they have a channel directly to product, which is a lot more exclusive than having a channel to customer success to an extent. 
And uh, and at the same time, um, they also hear firsthand maybe the reasons why something is not being uh, prioritized on or uh, what really um, the requirements, maybe the requirement, the reason why the requirements that they're having are not quite in line with our roadmap. And uh, um, the conversations are a lot more easy. Let's put it this way. So has that been a problem to get the product team to adopt something where they are responsible for communicating their updates directly? Yeah, no, I don't think it's been an issue at all, actually. Um, they, yeah, I mean, the product team is really very eager to hear what customers really need and to understand it firsthand and not, uh, they also find it interesting not to have it filtered. Um, so um, they have never had a problem with that. And uh, our CTO and uh, our product manager at the moment handle the um, receptive communication. Uh, they are very, very careful in what they're communicating. So there's a lot of things that will look like they haven't been moving for a long time, but really they have. Um, but they prefer to say less than more. Um, but yeah, no, I think the adoption has been good. has been good both on the product side and on the business side. So customer success, sales and things like that. Okay, that's interesting. So it was a, it's like different people were satisfied at different parts of the process and then would it would it is it safe to say that once you found receptive most people are most teams are on board with it (laughs) yeah I would say so actually I think so yeah I think it it takes a lot of boxes around um yeah CS having a place to put this information that it's easy and you know uh takes a few seconds which is always the main priority for them You've made as little work as possible. Thank you. Um, primarily, you know, not in a bad way, but primarily because I have so much going on and priority is actually interacting with your customer. It's not, uh, you know, uh, managing managing spreadsheets, really. So the CS team is very happy about it. Um, the sales team is very happy because they can put all of the requests wherever they want. And uh, if they get a lot of votes, they get uh, really looked at. Um, the product team has more visibility on what really um, is being requested from uh, from the front lines, and so from external stakeholders. And I think customers, I think they have a lot more visibility on really what the product team is working on and uh, what are the big requests that we're getting in the pipeline and uh, how how their own requests fit in the big. What's been the biggest change process-wise for your customer success team with this process? I think the biggest difference is uh, um, not having this responsibility anymore. Product feedback from uh, from your customers, I, I see it in two sides, basically. Um, the first one is when the customer comes to you for the first time with a request um, or with some form of feedback, and uh, the customer success manager acknowledges it and puts it down in whatever is the form of storing this information within the system and passes it on to the product team, right? And this is... If, there is, uh, if the customer success manages the gateway for this information, this is the first passage, right? The first stage. Um, then there is a second stage, which is going to be um, maybe a couple of weeks down the line, um, whatever has been uh, um, the feedback that the product team has given, the customer will come back to you and ask you, hey, what's going on with my request? Why is it maybe not being privatized or something like that? And this is the moment that is very difficult because the customer success manager is responsible then for going back to the product team, um, investigating these even more, understanding, trying to prioritize or trying to make the requests, you know, um, make it being heard somehow. So to get this information being heard by the product team and then has to go back to the customer and somewhat manage the customer's expectations or work with the customer 
to deliver the news that might not always be be hey we're building this the next month um and um by having a direct communication channel between the product team and the customer um, the second part of these uh, of these dynamics, it's not there anymore. The customer success manager is not anymore a person who's going to have to dig into the product team to find out what's the status with that feature. And uh, it also, um, this the customer success manager is not responsible for bringing this, this feedback back to the customer. So um, the communication channel is such that they, they, it's not sandwiched in the middle, basically. Customer success is not sandwiched in the middle. So they can essentially just close it out like a support team member would close out a ticket and they don't have to have that, you know, the mental weight on them of all these requests that their customers are asking for or try to keep track of them with tags or whatever. Um, yes. That's huge. Exactly. Yeah, it's massive. I think for them it's massive. I mean, customer will still ask about them, the fact that it's um, it's visible and it's available online and the customer can see how many people have been requesting the same thing, um, it makes an enormous difference. That's in really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So has it improved your relationship with your customers at all? Yeah, I don't think um, it's improved the relationship as such. I think it's giving our CSM more time to focus on things uh, that are more um, related to what's it's going on on the customer side rather than what's going on on our side. Um, so um, by taking part of the conversation out, you can actually use the time to have conversation around other things rather than talking or discussing the priority or the, of your roadmap. That's right? so funny. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. For me, when I'm talking to customers, a lot of times I'll want to talk about the process and improving the process um, yeah. and the workflow and making life easier for everyone. And, yeah. and they'll want to talk about feature requests Yes. <laughs> so it even it even happens with receptive because we obviously use it too but i can Absolutely. imagine if we didn't how much worse that would be because that doesn't happen very often but when it does yeah. i really notice it so going back to the early days of, of how you were managing feedback um do you have any tips to identify when it's time to move on to a, something like a specialist product like receptive um or i guess a different way to phrase that is what are some warning signs that you wish you would have known about back when you were using spreadsheets <laughs> to, to move on faster? Yeah, absolutely. So generally, my tip is um, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, small budgets and scalability. I would keep on uh, a very budget method as long as I don't feel like this is uh, constraining my growth. And so, um, but I guess um, the early warning signs or the warning signs that we saw at the time and that uh, I would keep an eye for, but the first most obvious one is, um, is something slipping through the cracks. So am I getting customers who are requesting things for me and for some reason after the call, I put it in a place and I don't see it anymore. And then uh, three weeks later, I forgot about it. Um, that's very, very dangerous. Um, or a request coming in, but the product team is not guiding them in the right way. And then uh, um, these, again, really, things are slipping through the cracks. That's one. Um, or are you setting your customers' expectations wrong? Um, we also experienced some phases where we realized that we would, uh, the business team would be setting expectations for customers and prospects based on information that they 
believed were coming from the product team or anyway that they were coming from the product team, but it might have been outdated. And so um, how is internal communication within your business really affecting your relationship with customers? And uh, um, then if you set expectations towards a certain deadline, which might be off, that might really affect your relationship with a customer. You might lose a customer and things like that. So um, that's um, something that you might want to keep an eye on. And uh, yeah, setting expectations, right? Absolutely. And um and the third one is uh, um, if you really have a feature that you think might be useful, um, but you struggle to understand really how many customers need it or want it or request it and something like that, then uh, that's another situation. That's another time when you should really think about uh, um, whether to move up to something a bit more sophisticated than a spreadsheet, really. Yeah, that's a, that's a really funny one. I agree with that completely, but I'd almost take that a little bit further because Mm-hmm. Um, I had a customer uh, a while back now um, ask, or I had a team member ask me, you know, have Ali, have you heard, have you heard this request come up a lot from customers? And yeah. I was like, no, I don't think so. And then I moved on. And I was like, wait a second, I need to go check receptive. Why would I answer that? And so <laughs> I went and checked it and it was actually really, really popular, but I really? had completely forgotten because yeah. it wasn't the most recent thing. I hadn't heard it in a couple of weeks yeah. and I yeah. kind of picked up on other trends since yeah. then. You forget what happened a month ago very, very quickly in customer success when you're talking to people all day long. So, oh, so yes. I challenge that one a little bit further even. I just have a couple final questions about what your favorite like customer success resources are, um, blogs, books, podcasts, etc. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, customer success related resources, love Gainsight. Uh, their blog, their books, uh, their knowledge, their their information I find really, really useful. Um, Lincoln Murphy is also fantastic. Um, a bit more um, abstract, a bit more strategic around things, but very, very interesting. General blog and readings, uh, Tom Antunguns. I really struggle to pronounce his name. I apologize. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's always very inspirational, so that's one I follow. And then, uh, yeah, maybe my Bible is The Economist, put it this way. So if people have questions about, you know, how you're managing feedback or even about receptive, do you mind if people get in touch with you on social media? And if so, what's the best way? Yeah, no, not a problem. Happy to. LinkedIn is probably the best way. Okay, perfect. What I'll do is I'll put a link in the show notes to your LinkedIn profile so people can connect with you there. That's it for today. Hope you enjoyed this interview with Lisa. And like I said, if you'd ever like to find out more about Receptive, just get in touch with me directly on Twitter or email. It's Ali, A-L-Y at Receptive.io. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.